want to read to you, you know, I'm going to read from the Word of God. And we find our reading today in Matthew at chapter 22, and I read verses 1 to 14 from the New International Version of the Bible. It's a parable that you'll know very well. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. But they refused to come. And then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready. But those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you can find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, my friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Amen. And may God add his blessing to this reading of his holy word. I have preached that little parable before, of course. I've preached it as it's written and as it's often most typically understood. It's understood as a kind of warning to accept the invitation to the banquet and to be ready when doing so. In fact, even this week as I read it, I was going down this path once more, only this time I was kind of reading it with some surprise. Because who turns down the invitation of the king? Even if you weren't a strong or particularly good supporter of a particular ruler, don't you think you'd turn up just out of curiosity? Or just to rub elbows maybe with the wealthy and the powerful? Fast forward a few thousand years and take up residence in this culture we call home. And we can certainly imagine how it might be difficult to turn down the invitation to a royal wedding or a coronation even if you weren't a royalist. Or maybe for you it would be tickets to the Ryder Cup or tickets for Wimbledon even if your favourite player wasn't playing. Oh, the enthusiasm wouldn't be exactly the same but you would be more than likely to go just for the experience. Well, I would. Particularly if the consequences of not going were as dire as they play out in the story that Jesus tells today. 
So this is the direction I'm going in. And while there are a thousand reasons I may be entirely wrong, and I accept all of them, given the fact that over the years preachers have not taken the tack that I want to explore now, I still want to settle there for a wee bit. So bear with me, if you will. For you see, the king as described in the story we heard today is not one that seems anything like the God that I have been taught to worship, much less one I could give my loyalty to in this life. For this king rules with threat and violence and vengeance. Even though at first it seems that violence is only in response to violence already perpetrated by his citizens, his people. Even so, the God who is Jesus surely doesn't rule in this way. And so I wonder how it is that we so quickly fall into what for centuries has been perhaps the most obvious, straightforward understanding of Jesus' words today. And so I propose another way. What if, what if those invited did not come to the banquet as a sign of protest? What if they didn't drop everything and go because the promises of the king were false? Or because in this king's reign there was no justice? Or because the poor were left in their poverty with absolutely no recourse? What if they did not go to celebrate with the king because the king was no king worthy of that title? And while it's hard to justify mistreating and killing those slaves with no other real choice but to deliver the message with which they were sent, we don't know what happened between the slaves and the people before such violence was perpetrated against them. Certainly some people who live in oppressive regimes end up behaving in ways which are otherwise reprehensible simply because they feel, well, they have no other choice. And it's worth noting that not everyone behaved in this way. And yet the king, in his vengeful way, not only punishes the murderers, but everyone else who called that city home. And yes, it's in keeping with our understanding of how God works that the king would invite all and everyone who would heed that invitation to come to the wedding banquet. And yet what comes next again seems completely over the top, no matter how we try to explain it away. And this is why I can't help but wonder if the king was only trying to fill the banquet hall so as not to suffer shame in the eyes of his friends and adversaries alike. I can't help but believe that Jesus was, in fact, more like those who would never have been among the first invited to the wedding banquet of the king's son, but would have found himself in that second batch of invitees. Indeed, as this parable comes to its conclusion, I can't help but wonder if Jesus is not the one that's there without the wedding robe. 
The one who could not, would not pretend to honour a tyrant king by putting on that wedding robe. Who, on behalf of all of us, was thrown into outer darkness where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. I have no way of knowing this for sure, of course. In fact, I know that many of you can make a solid argument that I am way off base in terms of Matthew's intent here. And yet the Bible is a living word, is it not? And isn't it possible that it might take on new meaning in new days? And isn't it just as likely that the kingdom of heaven is more like any one of us who refuses to bow to the powers that be when innocents suffer than like a king who throws his power around and destroys those who wouldn't do his will? But more than that, the places my imagination took me this week as I pondered this parable seem more in keeping with the way Jesus often turned things inside out and on their heads when he told stories. So why not this story? Why not? I have no way of knowing, of course, but this is what I'm wondering. And I'm wondering what you think of the way I've interpreted the story. How do you understand that wee parable of Jesus? Is it possible Is it faithful to hear it in a new way? What arguments do you have in favor of hearing it in the more traditional way? If my proposed way of hearing this story doesn't add up for you, I wonder why that is. So if I've made you think this morning and go back into that story at Matthew 22, 1 to 14, Well, actually, that's good enough for me. But I say again, if we believe this is a living word, then there's room for interpretation. So I urge you to look at the story again and think about it for yourself. That's my prayer, that we would think in these lockdown days of what this word is saying to us and how it might take us forward in the way that we need to go. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Loving God, we are the body of Christ, created in your image, known and loved by you, loved for who we are, accepted, forgiven and restored, united to live in your ways. We are nourished by faith, helping us in our daily lives to face the challenges of each day, to carry us through times of illness, grief and anxiety, replenishing and restoring us, building us up as your people. We are called to serve the lost, the lonely and the deserted through our words and our actions. 
to be your hands and feet, to be the church today. Be with us, to feed us with compassion, that we might dine on your grace, that we might be filled with your spirit as we live our faith in the world today. We're challenged to love, to love our families through times of both joy and trial, to love our friends and neighbours, even if they annoy or irritate, to love our enemies in the face of their anger and malice. So, Lord, nourish our faith that we might have love to show others the love Christ has shown us. And, living God, thank you that you hold us together in love. We are the body of Christ. You help us to grow and mature. We are nurtured by faith. You develop our compassion. We are called to serve. You make us active and strong. We are challenged to love. Help us to love those we need to love. In Jesus' name, amen.